0: I went into the ministry, and I've been preaching since I was 12, but before I went into the ministry full-time, I worked in a shop with a bunch of guys who were not just rednecks. They were like in the Redneck Hall of Fame. Right. These are guys for whom he stopped loving her today, he was like just as I am, all right? I'm telling you, it, it came on, it was like an invitation. Tears started flowing, they're hugging each other. and I mean, Look just like a church invitation, man. And uh, and every one of them, I was the only one there that didn't shoot a backup. And every one of them there have tobacco, and, and they, they did things like start wrestling matches at odd times for no known reason. I've yet to figure out why, why people do that. Hey, but this, <laughs> this big old guy with a big old wad of tobacco in his mouth jumped me in the shop one day. Well, I've got a little bit of training here and there, so I just poked him in his, little, in his beer belly real quick, and he doubled over, and I, and I grabbed him around behind the neck and then just went to the ground with him and squeezed. And when I did, this big old fella, I felt him, I felt him gulp, and then he went limp. I didn't realize what was happening And then I heard him start going And I realized I need to let go of him in a hurry He had swallowed his mouth full of tobacco He got so sick he had to go home Found out that day certain things are hard to stomach But you know something I've never found hard to stomach Is, is glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ Man this kind of singing This kind of preaching This kind of praising That, that never gets old to me It's never hard to stomach I just love it and it is, it's, it's worth your time to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Now begin to turn to John chapter 18. While you're turning, before I have you stand, if you would, please pray for me and I'll tell you why. As I said, I've been preaching since I was 12 years old. That's 35 years now. So the, the thought of preaching itself does not scare me. I don't mind preaching against sin. I do it all the time. don't mind preaching through doctrinal series. I do it all the time. But, but there's a couple of things about preaching that scare me. And one of those things is this. Anytime I'm preaching specifically about Jesus with the attempt to glorify him, it scares me because I'm afraid I may just not do him justice. And I really want to do him justice. I want to lift Him up as high as I can, especially now that we're in Easter week, heading towards Resurrection Sunday, and my mind and my thoughts are focused on that. We'll be all week. Probably want to be preaching on each time I preach. And just Pray for me, if you would, because I desperately want to do him justice. Let's all stand. John chapter 18, if you would, please. Let's begin our reading in verse 1. The Bible says in John 18, 1, "...when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kedron, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples." Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. Soon then, as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, "I have told you that I am He. If therefore ye seek Me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which He spake of them, which Thou gavest Me. Have I lost none?" Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, "Put up thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which My Father hath given Me shall I not drink it?" Then the band of captains and officers the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was father in law of Caiaphas which was the high priest that same year. Lord, I pray you'd bless the reading of your word. Father, I pray these wonderful words of life would get down deep into our hearts. Help us to understand them, to absorb them, Lord, to meditate on them, and to love them, and to live by them. Lord, I pray you to help me to glorify you. Empty me of self and of any selfish desire. Lord, I pray that you would help me to do a very good job letting everyone here hear one more time how glorious you are and how great things you have done for us. Lord, all these things I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There is a song that I've heard through the years. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know where it came from. If for some reason somebody doesn't like it, please forgive me. I don't know but I just love the message in it.
1: I have a source of strength when I am weak that takes me through when life is pressing me. I have a source of power from above I am covered over by a shield of love I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary those precious bloods were made there just for me for all my sin my sickness and my pain when I need healing I claim those precious blood stains.
0: We think of the blood shed on Calvary, and it's true and it's wonderful. But have you stopped to consider that the blood of Jesus Christ began to be shed even before he got to Calvary? The blood of Jesus Christ was shed in Pilate's judgment hall before he got to the cross. And the blood of Jesus Christ was shed in Garden of Gethsemane before he ever got to Pilate's judgment hall. And it is that episode and that event and that place of the Garden of Gethsemane that my mind is focused on at this point. Now, I want to do something. I want to read you the account in chronological order. So I'm just going to read it and tell you what texts I'm using as I go through. If you want to write them down so you can read it in chronological order later, that's fine but give me about 2 minutes let me read you the garden of gethsemane count as it happened luke 22:39 and he came out and went as he was wont to the mount of olives and his disciples also followed him mark 14:32 and they came to a place which was named gethsemane and he saith to his disciples "'Sit ye here while I pray.' "'Matthew 26, 39 through 42, "'And he went a little further and fell on his face "'and prayed, saying, "O my Father, if it be possible, "'let this cup pass from me. "'Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. "'And he cometh unto the disciples, "'and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, "'What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? "'Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. "'The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak.' He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Luke 22, 43 through 44. And there appeared an angel in him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And a sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Matthew 26, 43. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to the disciples and saith unto them, to them, sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he's at hand that doth betray me. Matthew 26, 47 through 48. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. Mark 14, 45. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. Luke 22, 48. But Jesus said to him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? John 18, 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Luke twenty-two, forty-nine. When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with a sword? John 18, 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Mark 14, 50. And they all forsook him and fled. Matthew 26, 57. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away. Gethsemane started out as a garden and became an event. It was built as a place of peace and became the scene of one of the most epic battles of all times. It was in the quiet confines of Gethsemane, the last night of his life, that Jesus agonized over what lay before him. Most of Jerusalem was sleeping, but a handful of people who were still awake would find adventure in Gethsemane that night. I want to work our way through this text. Notice, first of all, the draw of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 39 is where we'll begin. The Bible says in Matthew 26, 39, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, "Oh." my Father. Now it would seem that everything in Gethsemane that night especially to an all-knowing God would push a person away and make them want to leave that place but the Bible tells us that Jesus went a little further in the garden. Rather than drawing back from what was happening, rather than shrink from what was coming, he went further and further in the garden knowing the entire time what it meant. We see the draw of Gethsemane. Notice number two the deliberation of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 39 again says he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Verse 42 says he went away again the second time and prayed saying, oh my Father, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. We read in Matthew 26, that he went and spoke the same words again. Now listen to me carefully. Going to Calvary was not an easy thing even getting close to it was agonizing when Jesus went to pray about it the Bible says he fell on his face does not say he carefully knelt down on his face says he fell on his face he was in such anguish of spirit that the God who stepped out and made the ground that he was walking on fell on the very ground that he had made the God who had spoken the stars into existence and flung them on the black velvet of night knelt down on the dirt of this little ball in this little solar system and said, Father, I need your attention. He is broken and in agony there as he deliberates in Gethsemane. Now, the deliberation was centered around a cup. In verse 39, he mentions it. Oh, my Father, he says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He speaks the same words in verse 42. He speaks the same words in verse 44. Now, please pay attention to what is happening. We need to know about this cup. This is what everything in Gethsemane centers around that night. The cup that Jesus is speaking of, the Bible tells us in Hebrews two nine that he was going to taste death for every man. The Bible lets us know that he became sin for every man. 2 Corinthians 5.21, what he is talking about when he speaks to the father of the cup is all of the holiness and wrath and judgment of God that is about to fall on somebody or someone for all of the sins, everything that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl of all time past. passed. present. Present and future has ever committed. God will not leave one sin undealt with. In His holiness, He will not let anything slide. In His righteousness, He will not bypass anything. In His judgment, He will not sweep anything under the rug. He has kept a careful account of every sin, and God the Father has His wrath and His holiness and judgment stored up. Somebody has got to be punished for all that is done. So the son goes into the garden that night, he is heading for that punishment. He is heading for Calvary, but before he gets there, he goes and he has a deliberation with his father. The Bible tells that he goes and prays, and as he's praying, he says these words, oh my father, if it be possible. Lord, I know we discussed this. Father, I know we discussed this before the foundation of time. I know we made up our minds before there ever was a man and a woman on earth. I know we've been through this, but Father, now I'm facing it, I'm right here at this moment. And, Father, let's just talk about it one more time before I do. Father, if it be possible, if there is any other way, please let this cup pass from me. Now, what is he saying? He is looking into that cup of wrath. And he's saying, Father... I see your judgment for Adam's sin in there. The very first man to ever rebel. Your judgment's got to fall on that. And Lord, that's that's quite a judgment in that cup. And Father, I see Cain's murder of his brother in that cup. And I see that your judgment and your holiness has got to fall on that. Father, I'm looking in this cup and I see all the filth of Sodom. All of the perversion. All of the agony of sin that they engaged in. I see Lot, a so-called believer there, throwing his own daughters to the wolf. Father, you've got to punish all that. And Father, your punishment is horrible on that. You're you're a holy God. You're a just God. You're a righteous God. And you've got to pour out your wrath on that. And Father, that's quite a cup. Father, if there be any way possible, let this cup pass from me. He goes and sees the disciples. We'll say more about that in a moment. He comes back and he prays to his Father again. He says the same words. Father, if it be possible, if there is any way Please let this cup pass from me. He looks at the cup and he says, "Father, I see what David did, the man after God's own heart, and you've got to pour out your justice and your wrath because he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and you've got to pour out your judgment and your wrath because he murdered his best friend to try to cover it up. And Father, I see what Ahab and Jezebel did, and how they stirred up Israel to wickedness, to idolatry, how they brought in Baal worship and Moloch worship, and destroyed children in the fire in the Valley of Hinnom. And Father, I know your judgment's got to pour." out on that I know you've got to pour your wrath on that and father that's quite a cup father I see Solomon in all of his idolatry brought on by strange and outlandish women and father you blessed him more than anybody else had ever been blessed with wealth and wisdom and he bears so much responsibility and you've got to punish what he did and father I'm looking at that cup and the punishment is horrible for what he's done father If there be any way, please let this cup pass from me. He goes and speaks to his disciples again, comes back one more time and says, Father, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Father, I see the rebellion of Pharaoh in here. He had such a testimony in the man of Moses, and yet he kept on rebelling. And I see Moses himself murdering someone. And I see Moses himself striking the rock when he was supposed to speak to the rock. And I see all of the 10 rebellions of all the children of Israel in the wilderness. Lord, they were right there in your presence of the Shekinah glory of God. And time after time, they turned their back on you. And Father, your wrath is horrible in this. Your wrath is agonizing. Father, the Pain is going to be unbearable. Father, if there be any way, please let this cup pass from me. Now, please listen to me very carefully. Jesus wasn't pretending when he said it. I want you to let this speak, sink in. He was not speaking rhetorically. he, he, he He's not making things up. He, he wasn't just speaking to fill up words. He literally meant what he said. He was in such anguish over the thought of becoming every sin that had ever been Every molestation, every murder Every act of looking at pornography And clicking on that computer He was so in anguish over the thought Of the wrath and judgment of his father Being poured out on him He who had never known a sin That he was literally saying Father if there be any way If there's any way Please let this cup pass from me so we see the deliberation of Gethsemane. Notice number three, the defeat of Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 26, verse 40. Matthew 26, 40 says, And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto them, Pe- saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Peter, all you had to do was watch and pray for one hour. Could you not do that? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 40, 26, 43. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Now, the good news is, Jesus. Jesus did not go into Gethsemane alone. There were 11 men that went with him. But let's change the emphasis on those words a little bit. The bad news is Jesus did not go into Gethsemane alone because there were 11 men that went in there with him. And these men, his chosen few, his uh, disciples who were going to become apostles, the leaders of the early church, they are so weak in their flesh that they are falling asleep when the Lord needs them most. As the darkest hour is falling upon his heart, he can't even count on those that he needs the most. Now as he ends this part... We find that cup still open We find the deliberation still going on Nothing's been settled about that cup Notice number four, the despair of Gethsemane Luke twenty-two forty-three says this And there appeared an angel Unto him from heaven Strengthening him Now let's stop there for a moment before we go to verse 44. Jesus is in his most anguished time. His heart is breaking in two. His men cannot be counted on. They keep falling asleep. But there is help on the way from heaven. God sends an angel to strengthen him. How strong is an angel? How much strength could he give? Well in 2 Kings 35, one angel destroyed 185 Syrian soldiers. This is some powerful strength we're talking about. You couldn't Get any better source of strengthening. But look at the next verse, verse 44. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now put those together and see what you find. In verse 43, he is in anguish. An angel shows up to strengthen him. An angel from heaven comes to undergird him and to help him. And a moment later, it's as if he's saying, listen, I appreciate it. Thank you for trying. I appreciate you bringing your strength to bear. But your strength is not going to help me now. There's no comfort for me now. That's not going to do anything for me now. And he falls on his face again and is more earnestly praying. The despair of Gethsemane. The Bible says in verse 44, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, do you not know that Jesus had the most spectacular prayer life of all time? And yet here is Jesus, the Bible says, praying more earnestly. He's been praying and now he knows even he has to take it to a whole different level with what he's facing. And the Bible tells us that during this time he sweats as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. There's a medical condition called hematidrosis and when a person gets under such extreme pressure and stress that it's like their heart's breaking, literally vessels and capillaries inside the body will burst and blood will begin to mix with your sweat. And as you sweat, blood will be coming out in your sweat and Jesus is in such agony and under such pressure that vessels and capillaries inside his body are bursting and he is dropping blood there on the ground in Gethsemane. He is in anguish. He's in a state of despair. As we come to the end of the state of despair, this issue of the cup still not settled. We don't know how that's going to come out yet. Notice number five, the deceit of Gethsemane, verse 47 of Matthew 26. The Bible says, And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now, he that betrayed him gave him a sign, saying, uh, Whomsoever I shall kiss, uh, the same as he hold him fast, Mark 14, 45. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. I know, I know that Solomon was, was a king in the Old Testament. But I often wonder if he was a bit of a prophet, too. Listen to what he wrote thousands of years before this. He said in Proverbs 27, 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, in the culture of Bible lands, a friend would kiss a friend on the cheek. It would be the same thing that a hug or a handshake means today. And Judas does not go in and just plant one kiss on his cheek. The way this said is he kisses him repeatedly from side to side to side in the customary rabbinical greeting of respect. He is betraying him. He is selling him out. He's got money jingling in his pocket where he sold his best friend down the river and he's kissing him in deceit. And yet Jesus still, in, in Luke 22:48, calls him friend and meant it. Listen to me, Jesus loved Judas, and Judas is now betraying him. He is deceitfully selling him down the walk, down the river, and as this comes to an end, we still don't know what the fate of the cup's going to be. Notice number six, the deity of Gethsemane, John chapter 18, verse four through six. The Bible says, Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Now there is something amazing in this passage. According to verse 3 of John's account, Jude came with a band of men. Normally that was 400, but during the times of the festival, The normal practice was to add another half on top of that. So there are around 600 men storming into the Garden of Gethsemane that night. And these men are armed to the teeth, Brother Hewitt. I mean, they have got all the good equipment. They are coming with the finest weaponry of the day to apprehend this criminal, Jesus of Nazareth. 600 of them storming into the garden. The odds are 600. 100 to 1. Now tell me something. Don't you feel a little bit sorry for those men? Can I put it to you this way? These men come into the garden, 600 of them, armed to the teeth. In other words, they are outnumbered 1 to 600. They're facing off against Jesus and are outnumbered one to 600. Say, preacher, why would you say that? Because they speak to him. Uh, Jesus speaks to them. He says, who do you seek? And they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth.
1: We're here with our
0: soldiers. We're here with our weapons. We're here to take Jesus of Nazareth. He says, really? I'm he. (laughs) And there's 600 men laying on their backs going that wasn't in the manual can anybody just tell me what happened I don't know we came here to arrest this guy and all of a sudden he said I'm he and here we are looking up at the stars oh look the Big Dipper hallelujah listen to me. there's 600 men fully harmed coming to arrest Jesus he says I'm he and 600 of them fall down flat I feel sorry for those guys they have no idea who they're dealing with. They think they're after a lawbreaker. Who they're really after is the lawmaker. He's the Son of God, and God the Son. He is deity in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hey, sinner friend, I hope you know who you're dealing with. Hey, there's nobody like him. No, but, but, but as this part comes to an end, the fate of that cup is still unsettled. Notice number seven, the danger of Gethsemane. Luke twenty-two forty-nine. 49. The Bible says, when they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord... Shall we smite with a sword? John 18, 10. Then Simon Peter, before anybody could answer. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Look up here. I got a question. Whose idea was it to let Peter have the sword? Really? Okay. You got, you got one weapon, and you're going to hand it to the most volatile guy in the entire... I guarantee you that was not the Lord's idea. I promise you. Listen to me. Somebody thought it was a great idea to let Peter have the sword. And while somebody is in the process of suggesting, Lord, should we smite with a sword? Peter's already drawing, man. That's all he needs to hear. They hold their swords cross body in those days. He reaches this way, grabs it, swings it across, and a guy named Malchus says, oh, this is not good. Malchus sees the sword coming. He's quick enough to duck, but not quick enough to get entirely out of the way. Peter's aiming for his head. Can you imagine Malchus' head on his living room wall? That's what Peter's got in mind. Malchus ducks, not quite far enough. The ear comes flinging off. Bad news is he lost an ear. Good news is he had a head to put it back on. Peter has swung this sword, and Peter is trying to fight his way out of the garden of Gethsemane. There is danger there in Gethsemane. Listen to me. There's danger, especially for people like Malchus, who have lined up in the majority against Christ. Now, I tell you the most dangerous place you'll ever be is in the majority against Christ. There's no safety in the majority against Christ. It's a bad place. But as this part comes to an end, the Garden of Gethsemane, the fate of that cup is still uncertain. Look number eight at the darkness of Gethsemane. Mark 14, 50 says, And they all forsook him and fled. Matthew 26, 57 says, And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away. And the disciples left him. The soldiers left Led him away, it seemed like everything was darkness in Gethsemane, but there's, there's one thing that happened just before they led him away. There's one more thing I really want you to see, and that's the decision of Gethsemane. Now, Peter has blown his top and he's swung the sword. He's cut off Malchus' ear. Jesus has healed Malchus's ear, but Jesus has something to say to Peter because the deliberation has been settled. The Bible says in John 18, 11, Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Now, a little bit earlier, he was going away to his father, saying, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I see the judgment on Adam's sin, and on Cain's sin, and on Sodom's sin, and on Lot's sin. And Lord, if there's any way, please let this cup pass from me. He goes back a second time and says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I see your judgment on David's sin, and I see your judgment on Solomon's sin. I see your judgment on Ahab and Jezebel's sin. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He goes back the third time and says, Father, if it be possible let this cup pass from me. I see your judgment on Judas' sin who is betraying me. I see your judgment on Saul of Tarsus' sin who is going to murder the churches down the line. I see your judgment on the sin of people in Rossville and in North Carolina and in Tennessee all their drunkenness, all their wickedness. I see the judgment. Father, if it be possible let this pass from me. But between that time and the time he gets back to his men in the garden, a deliberation has been settled. A decision has been made. He says Peter, put up your sword into your sheath. Peter, that cup that the Father has given me, I'm going to drink it. I'm going to taste death for every man. I'm going to pay the sin penalty for your sin and Judas's sin and the soldier's sin and Annas' sin and Caiaphas's sin and Pilate's sin and Rahab's sin and Ruth's sin and Bo Wagner's sin and Brother Gravely's sin and Brother Stroud's sin and Brother Brown's sin. I'm going to pay the sin debt. I'm going to drink the entire cup. You listen to me. The disciples would have their own cup to drink. Jesus spoke of the fact they would drink of his cup, meaning physically suffer. But this cup that Jesus drank, there was nobody else could drink that cup. Peter couldn't taste death for you. James couldn't taste death for you. John couldn't taste death for you. Matthew couldn't taste death for you. Only Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, could taste death for you. And when he went to Calvary, he didn't drink part of it. He drank the entire thing dry. There's nothing left. The cup is empty. The cup is empty. the cup is empty Romans 8 1 says there is now therefore no condemnation you know why because the cup is empty Ephesians 2.9 says we have been seen seated together in heavenly places. You know why? Because the cup is empty. The Bible says that he's prepared a place for us and coming back to get us again. You know why? Because the cup is empty. John 5.24 says we shall never perish because he's given us everlasting life. You know why? Because the cup is empty. You'll never face your sin because the cup is empty. Hebrews 13.5. He'll never leave you nor forsake you because the cup is empty. Philippians 4.19. He'll meet all your needs the cup is empty you listen to me the devil wants to tell you that you need to do something surely to add to what God has done the cup's, the cup's empty the cup's empty the cup's empty there's nothing else. Listen to me, he died to pay for everything you've ever done everything you ever will do Rahab's in the hall of faith because the cup is empty God doesn't remember our sin because the cup's empty A kid that grew up as a bitter fatherless kid is a preacher now because the cup is empty he tasted death for every man and he didn't leave a single drop in the cup you know what you need you need the one who took the cup and drank it dry for you there's nothing left in the cup let's all stand heads about eyes are closed if you don't mind preachers that okay with you Heads about eyes are closed. If I could have someone come to piano play, two things. Number